Elliot is currently uh, the guest experience pastor at Eagle Brooks Blaine Campus. He works with his wife, Julie, who oversees all the kids' ministry at Eagle Brook. Uh, they have two wonderful kids and a puppy. And right? a puppy. We text yeah. each other dog pictures yeah. now. That is what, you know, we do, basically. But Elliot, for those of you who don't know, was served as an intern here at Mercy from 2021 to 2023. We both yeah. had to look up the math. Yeah and poured his life and his heart into this community, and he is family. We blessed him as he left, and we are just so grateful for him for to have him come and deliver the message today. So I will get off the stage, because they always get to hear from me. All right, thanks, Elliot. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, Mercy Vineyard. Thank you for the invitation back here. It's so good to see you all, and what I just love, too, it's the middle of summer, and you guys are coming to church and making church a priority, seeing volunteers back in the kids' spaces and student ministries, all that. It's absolutely incredible. Like Jesse said, we're in this series, Sounds of Summer, and you can see my song up there right away. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. But maybe this is your first time here, and you're like, whoa, what other songs have been played? Gary did put a ring on it, which is fantastic. Um, Scott preached a message, Be All Right. Um, we did Celebrate, Jesse shared of Faith's uh, review and expression, and then Leo did his mixtapes last week. And yeah, I, I get to share about this song here. I'm not going to sing it, because the rest of the time speaking, you'd be wondering, why do you even try to sing? Because it was that bad. But some of the lyrics says, I've climbed the highest mountains, I've run through the fields only to be with you. I believe in the kingdom come, then all the colors will bleed into one. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I don't know about you, but I feel like there's times in my life where I'm looking for something. Just this morning, I couldn't find my phone. Anybody go through that where you can't find something? That's why I have this watch. It pings my phone and lets me know what's happening. Also, air tags. Anybody have an air tag or a tile to keep track of your wallet, your keys, all that, so you know where everything's at? That's a $1.8 billion industry right there. $1.8 billion because we care about where our things are at. Also, we look for things on Google. There are 99,000 searches on Google in just one second. Just one second. 99,000 looks. Since I've been up here, it's about 15 million now. Like, and maybe you're one of the 15 million, that's like, all right, let's see what else is going on here today. But over the day, it's 8.5 billion searches on Google. It's unreal. But yet, we're still looking for something we haven't found. For me, I, I love bicycles. I really enjoy riding a bicycle. I also love the search of a new bicycle, whether it's used, whether it's brand new. So I, I figured out I had this problem a few years ago. Um, I wanted a, 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 fat tire mountain, a fat tire bike, and I did a lot of searching for a fat tire bike. I looked at head tube angles, I looked at tire size, I looked at different drivetrains, I looked at hydraulics, and most of you are lost of what I'm actually talking about. Others are nodding along, saying, yeah, I get you. But then I finally got like a dream fat tire bike. And I was pumped. I was so pumped. The first ride was absolutely incredible. But honestly, within a few weeks, I was looking for a gravel bike. It only took a few weeks. You laugh, but it, it's true. Like, not that it wasn't enough, but it wasn't enough. Because a gravel bike's different than a fat tire bike, and a gravel bike's different than a road bike. So, like, I wanted something different. 
But if I'm honest, like, it still was enough. Anybody know who this guy is? Rain Wilson? Star of The Office? Yeah, let's go. Dwight Schrute? Here's the thing with him, though. He shared in a podcast, he said this. When I was in the office, I spent several years really mostly unhappy because it wasn't enough. He said, I was making hundreds of thousands, but I wanted millions. I was a TV star, but I wanted to be a movie star. It was never enough. I was telling that to my wife. I was like, I can't believe this guy. Like, he seems so happy. Like, I've seen bloopers, all that. Like, he seems so happy, but it wasn't enough. And my daughter, Lila, who's six, was like, how is he unhappy? Like, he's on TV. He's famous. He has, like, what do we need? I don't know about you, but I feel like we can get caught up in moments where we have something and then we're searching for something else, that it's not enough. I believe that there's plenty of stories in the Bible of people searching for who they are, people searching for what's next, there's people searching for something. And Jesus actually shares three stories in Luke chapter 15 about a search for something. He talks about a shepherd losing a sheep. And that shepherd goes after that sheep and finds it. Then he talks about a woman who lost a precious coin. And she goes and finds it. And then Jesus talks about a a father with two sons. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase the story for you all. And then we'll dive into a little bit more. But Jesus shares that there's a man that had two sons, an older son and a younger son. The younger son goes to the dad and says, hey, dad, I know you're not dead yet, but I kind of want what you owe me when you die. Because that was the tradition they would give an inheritance after they passed. And so the father somehow agrees to that and says, sure, I'll give you your inheritance. And he gave it to the older son too. Then the younger son, he gathered it all up. He took an account of what he had. And then he took off a few days later. He wanted to go and do everything that he wanted to do. He went to a distant country and he just blows it. Like, I'm talking, he spends it like how I spent my money as an eight-year-old kid going to a gas station, buying all the candy and pop and all that. It was gone. And then a famine hit. And then he's realizing, I got nothing. I got to get a job. I got to figure out what to do. So then he gets a job from a local farmer uh, feeding pigs out in a field. So again, he's alone feeding pigs in a field, which doesn't sound that interesting. And then he's realizing as his stomach's rumbling that he needs to eat. He's not making enough money to even provide food for himself. Then he's thinking about eating the pig food. Then he remembers how his servants were treated back at his dad's house. And he's like, oh, maybe maybe if I just get a job back with dad, like, I'll be all right. But he also realizes, oh, man, my resume is shot. Like, dad's not going to take me back. I've blown things up for our family. And so he starts rehearsing a line in his head. All right, maybe if I just say, Dad, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just take me as a servant. Just let me work for you. Like, I don't, just let me work for you. Anything's better than this. So he's rehearsing his lines. He's making his way back. And scripture doesn't tell us how long it took him to get back, but I can imagine that just weighing heavier and heavier and heavier. And finally, when he was a far way out, the dad saw him. Some of you know this story. The dad runs off to him and starts to celebrate with him. And the son just falls apart and just says, Dad, I'm so sorry. Like, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. 
I, I, I'm no longer worthy. Like, and he's just weeping. But the dad doesn't listen to anything. He says, no, like, you're my son. And he starts yelling at his servants, come, let's, let's get a robe on him. Let's get a ring on him. Let's, let's get a cow, butcher it. Let's get a barbecue going. Let's celebrate. And so that's happening. And then the older son catches wind of it. And the older son's just ticked off because he's like, hey, what the heck? Like, this son of yours went and took all of our stuff, blew our name, it's not great, and now you're going to celebrate him for coming home? And the dad hears, and he's like, no, you don't understand. Like, he was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. And I think this story is so incredible. And maybe for you and for me, we've never gone to our parents and said, hey, whatever you have coming to us, like, hey, can we get that early? Like, I got some plans. I want to go and spend some money. We don't go to our financial advisors and say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to pull everything out and just go on a rampage. Like, I want to buy everything that I want. I want to go and see the places we want to see. No, we don't, we don't necessarily do that. But maybe, like me, you get a bike and you start looking for a new bike. Or maybe you've just come back from a vacation and you're already thinking about the next vacation. Or maybe you got that job and you're looking for another one now. Maybe it's a relationship. You finally got into that relationship that you thought would be great and you still haven't found what you're looking for. I believe there's three key learnings that we can take from this story, no matter where you're at. Maybe you are a person that's like, you know, I've actually just squandered a lot. I've wasted a ton. Or maybe you're a person that's like, no, I'm still looking for this. I believe there's three key learnings that we can take away from this. And one of the key learnings is to look with gratitude. I tell you what, when I'm out riding the bike, whether it's the middle of winter with snow, yeah, that's right, August, let's go. Or if it's in the summer, like I'm not on my phone scrolling. I'm not looking at different uh, angles of the handlebars. I'm not looking at down tube angles. I'm not looking at mounts. I'm taking the ride in. I'm thanking God that I have time to get out and go for a bike ride. I'm thanking God that I'm grateful that my body can actually go a couple miles. I'm not looking for what's next. And the son, he didn't do that. He might have been scrolling social media and said, no, I, I want to be able to do what this guy's doing. I See how this guy's living his life? I want to go and do something like that. Kerry Newhoff, he's an author, a podcaster, he's a blogger, he's just an incredible leader. He writes this about gratitude. He says, gratitude neutralizes your anger and jealousy. Gratitude neutralizes your anger and jealousy. And then he goes on to say, grateful people are rarely angry and angry people are rarely grateful. And ditto with jealous people. You ever come across somebody who's angry and they're thanking God at the same time? That never happens. I've yet to be in a line at the DMV or at Costco's parking lot seeing how many grateful people there are. No, they're ticked off. The line's long. They're impatient. They're not grateful that they are able to renew a license or that they have a membership at Costco or that they're able to get out of the house and do that. Then he says this. Cultivating gratitude will make you far less angry 
because you'll realize no one owes you anything. And it will make you far less jealous because you'll realize God has given you what you need. For me, when I start looking at other things, I'm realizing the things I don't have. I'm looking at maybe adventures I'm not going on or the the item I don't have, and I start to get jealous, and I start to look for that next thing. And honestly, over time, I get a little angry that my my, my life's not where I expected it to be at. My life's not progressing like this person's life is progressing. I'm not getting the opportunities. This person's getting the opportunities. I want what they have, and I become jealous and angry. And I think about this son in the story. Luke chapter 15, verse 13, says, after a few days later, so he just gets everything from his dad. He gets it all. And it says this, the son gathered all that he had, traveled to a distant region, and there he squandered his wealth in dissolute living. And when he had spent everything, a famine came in. Other translations call that wild living. But notice this, the son gathered all that he had. He took everything from his bedroom, he took everything from his house, he took everything, put it in one spot. And not once did he take a moment and look what he had. Not once did he see, oh my goodness, like I have more than I need. Not once did he notice the house that he was in with his father. Not once did he notice the love that his dad had for him. Not once did he notice even the life of the servants in that moment. He's looking at everything beyond that. He's already thinking ahead. I'm going to go off to this distant land. I can use this for this area. I can go and do this with this. Or maybe I can sell that and get into this area. But not once did he say, wow, I have way more than I need. The older son does the same exact thing, but he doesn't leave the house. The older son gets ticked off that the son gets back home, blows it all, and he's given an opportunity to be invited back into the family. The older son argues with his dad and says, where, where was my party? Where's been my welcome gathering? Dad, why, why didn't you slaughter a fattened calf for me or put a robe on me? And the father's just sitting there like, It's been here this whole time. Like, you're my son. That doesn't change anything. Like, you're my son. This is for you. What I have is for you. I want to challenge you and I that next time we start looking for something, that we look with gratitude. I wonder what that would do in our lives. For me, it's journaling. I have to take time and just journal. It changes my attitude, it changes my posture, it makes me realize, like, wow, God has done so much for me. And I love that we just celebrate a communion, too, because communion is this incredible remembrance of what Jesus has already done for you. You don't have to keep searching for that next thing. Jesus has already done it. So next time you're looking for the next thing or you're scrolling social media and you're finding yourself comparing your life to somebody else's or that vacation or that job or whatever, their likes and subscribes. Pay attention and be like, all right, God, what have you already done in my life? How can I be grateful? How can I look with that grateful heart? 
Because again, Carrie Newhoff says it so well. Cultivating gratitude will make you far less angry because you'll realize no one owes you anything. It'll make you far less jealous because you'll realize God has given you what you need. The second key learning we can pull from this is who's looking out for you? Who's looking out for you? My, my wife, she's absolutely incredible, and we have two incredible kids, Lila, who's six, Aiden's four, and they know that it's about me. I love nature. Like, I just find nature neat. Like, it's, my soul's happy when I'm in nature. And my parents just happen to kind of live in nature. They live just north of the Twin Cities. They have about 20 acres. And there, my soul is just happy. And so one night when we were up there, we were driving back and it was dark. And their driveway is about a half mile long. And so I enjoy just like seeing what kind of critters are out there. And we're going, and my headlights, they hit a set of eyes. And so, boom, I brighten up. I'm like, all right, what's this going to be? And then all of a sudden, I see another set right on behind the other one, and another one, and another one. I was like, there's like a little family here. This is fantastic. As we're getting closer, I'm getting more excited. They're getting a little more like, um, should we do this? What should we do? Like, what are we doing? And then we see it. It comes into our view. It's a mama and a few little ones. And it's black, and it's got a nice white stripe down the back. <laughs> I'm pumped. When was the last time you saw a family of skunks? I was so thrilled. I'm driving, so I pull over a little bit. I grab my phone. I'm about to roll down the window, and my wife goes, what are you doing? <laughs> Taking a picture, and she's like, they're skunks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rolled back up. Phone's put away. I was willing to get us sprayed <laughs> for a picture. But thankfully, my wife has far more wisdom than me to say, hey, look out. Don't you realize what's coming? I wonder about that son. He didn't have anybody that said, look out. Don't you see what's coming? Don't you see what's coming? First, look what you have. Look at all that your dad's given you. Look at the life you have. Don't you see what's coming ahead? And what was coming ahead for him was a, a carob pod. That's a carob pod. So in the New Testament, it's written in Greek, and the Greek translation of pig feed, what they were feeding pigs was a carob pod. That looks like a banana that's been in our car seat for about three weeks in July. <laughs> He's about to eat that. And yet he didn't have anybody saying to him, hey, look out. D don't eat that. He didn't have anybody saying to him when he was traveling to a distant land, hey, look out for this area. Hey, look out for how you spend your money. Hey, look out to what you're doing. In fact, I, I can assume that if he did have friends, he had friends telling him the wrong thing. Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes, about the acts of the flesh. And he says they're obvious. They're obvious. It's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
For me, I, I moved up to Duluth for elementary education. I wanted to become an elementary school teacher, and my sister was already living up there, and so it was a safe move for me to do. And so I, I started uh, my program at University of Duluth, Minnesota, and then I also started working at a restaurant in Duluth. And I was having a ton of fun working at the restaurant and doing school. And then I did a thing with Youth with a Mission, which I got a lot of wise counsel from and a lot of close friends that continued to encourage me after. And then when I got back from Youth with a Mission, um, the restaurant invited me to be a manager. And I was kind of torn. I was really torn because my heart was elementary education, but my heart was also to be a manager. And so I sought after some people. I talked to my parents. I talked to people in my church community. I said, hey, will you be praying for me? Like, I don't know what to do with this, this decision. Like, I'm struggling here. I need some counsel. And so they prayed, and they continued to pray for me. And I continued to receive kind of this one thing of, like, God's opening two doors for me. It's how I operate in God's love in each of those areas. Like, he invited me to either one. So I chose managing, and I started to love it. But I also started to be disconnected from my church circle. I started to be disconnected from the people that were telling me to watch out. And I started to engage in the culture of the restaurant with the other managers. Overworking, change of language, stopping at the bar after work. I stopped listening to wise counsel. I started to pay attention to people that were living in the flesh. And then I found myself at some point just realizing that the other managers, they have wives and they have kids. They're missing t-ball games. They're missing birthday parties. They're living out of the flesh. They're buying things that they don't need. I was buying things that I didn't need. And I had to reflect, and I was like, what, what, what went wrong? How did I get here? How did I become the person that I am today? It was because I started following the wrong people. It wasn't a skunk, it was a lifestyle. I believe Paul tells us to follow people with people who are doing the fruits of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. And I love how Paul includes envying one another. I'm guessing that son that went off and just blew his life away was envying everybody else and what everybody else got to do. The same for me when I was up in Duluth managing, I started to envy people. I started to do the things that they were doing because I thought it would bring a change in my life. But I still hadn't found what I was looking for. And so for you, maybe, maybe you're in that space where you realize you have a, a, a circle of friends that are influencing you in the wrong way. That's really hard. That's a hard relationship to start setting boundaries on. Or maybe for you, you, you have a good circle of friends, but you're still trying to do it all on your own without somebody telling you to look out. It's a skunk. It's a carabot. Maybe for you, it's to, to join a group, to get invested into a group here in Mercy Vineyard so that you can talk with people, so that they can encourage you. Proverbs has 
Two incredible verses. They have a ton of incredible verses about how we lift each other up. But Proverbs chapter 27, verse 9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad. The sweetness of a friend comes with his earnest counsel. Later on in verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so another person sharpens another. I didn't have anybody up in Duluth that was sharpening me. They were bringing me down the wrong way. I had to make a change for myself. Maybe you're in that space where you need somebody to continue to sharpen you, to tell you to look out, to tell you to slow down, to tell you, hey, is this a great idea right now? Maybe that's a, a group. And maybe, maybe you're in a place where you're like, I, I don't know if I can join a group and share other what's going on in my life. Maybe, maybe it's time to see a counselor. My counselor shared with me to focus on the person that you're becoming. Think about who you want to become and then make choices based off of that. I want to become a better pastor. I want to become a more loving husband. I want to be a more loving dad. I want to be more patient. I want to be somebody that's living out the fruits of the Spirit. He encouraged me in that. And maybe you're at a point in your life where you have the opportunity to sharpen another person. We have a next generation coming through our doors in our kids' ministry and student ministry that need a someone to sharpen them up. Maybe it's time to step in and encourage them and volunteer in those spaces because when we're doing life together, that's when that transformation happens. The third key learning that we can take from this is to know someone's looking out for you. Let's know someone's looking for you. My son Aiden, he's four, and one of the meals we have often at our house is tacos, and the kids usually say, not tacos again, but we have tacos, and he loves making his own taco. So we'll put like a shell on his plate, we'll put the meat in one spot, we'll put the, the cheese on one spot, we'll make sure there's sour cream, otherwise if there's not sour cream, we have a whole new argument going on and so and we skip the lettuce like he doesn't put the lettuce on there he gets that for me anyway so we let him make his taco and it's so much fun seeing him just kind of put it on there he's having a little conversation with himself but then he started spreading the sour cream with his fingers and he's looking at his fingers he's like oh man so we go and we get him a, a paper towel he uses that a bit, but then he sees his water cup, and instead of getting up to wash his hands, he just dips his hands in his water cup and starts cleaning them up that way. Brilliant. But then the water cup spilled, and that's when things changed. He hit it under the table. He hit it under the table because there's other times when I've gotten after him for spilling. So he felt shamed and embarrassed. He wanted to hide from what just happened. And my wife and I, we just sat there and were like, oh, man. But it's okay. There's a tablecloth that's already soaking up. Like, Aiden, it's okay. We go to lift the tablecloth up. He goes right up to his room. We hear him screaming and crying. So we just give him a little bit of time, and then we go up there. And we sit down on his bed. And we say, Aiden, it's okay. It's just water. Like, it'll get cleaned up. We'll get you a new plate. You can make your taco again. And, and then he just blubbers out the words, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just breaks our heart. And then I read a story like this where that father sees him a long way off. 
And the son is just blubbering. He's trying to hide. He doesn't have a tablecloth to hide under. He doesn't have a bed to go and crawl under. He's just out in the open. And he says, I'm sorry. Do you know that there is a father in heaven who sees you a far way off? He sees you in the distance, even though you say, I I feel like I'm so far away from God. God still sees you. He's still ready to climb up those steps. He's still ready to run after you and say, it's all right. It's all right. And maybe for you, you have some lines that are rehearsed in your head. You have a line that's just continued to repeat in your mind of every time you go and pray to God or maybe it's every time you come into these doors of just like, if they knew. If they knew who I was a few years ago. If they knew what, I, what was happening last night. If they knew what was happening just getting into the car to church today. If they knew, they wouldn't treat me the same. If, if they knew, I wouldn't have this place. I truly believe that we have a Father in heaven. And I believe that this church community surrounds ourselves with people who feel that way. Worship team, I'm going to invite you on up as I close this out. So for those rehearsed lines that you have, maybe they're simple. Maybe it's just I've sinned. Maybe it's I'm unworthy. But in verse 20, it says, so he set off and went to his father. Remember, he's rehearsing those lines. His father saw him and was filled, filled with compassion. And he ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. In that moment, he wasn't feeling worthy of a hug. He wasn't feeling even worthy of his dad running out to him to meet him. But yet, his father was filled with compassion. 22, it continues and says, But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring out the robe, the best one. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and his sandals on his feet. Get the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Maybe you find yourself in those three key learnings. Maybe you're like, I, I need to focus on looking with gratitude. Maybe that's your next step. You can put it on your Connect card if you want and put it on uh, in the, ba- the boxes in the back. Maybe for you, it's just writing it down and telling somebody like, hey, will you remind me to be grateful? Maybe your next step for you is who's looking out for you? Maybe it's changing that circle of friends. Or maybe it's taking a step and talking with a counselor so that they can be looking out for you to tell you to watch out. Those are skunks. That's a carob pod. Like, stay away. Sharpen me. Build me up. Maybe it's this next one. To know that someone's looking for you. That our God in heaven is filled with compassion more than we can ever understand. 
other people will find it confusing and say, well, how, how do you get that life? How does God love you that way? Like that older son did. It's because who the father is. He's searching and running after you. His heart's filled with compassion. So God, we just pray. We pray for our week that we can look with gratitude. That we can be reminded of all the things that you've done for us and be grateful. God, I just pray for the people around us. That we can identify those who are filled with the, the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. Help us be people of fruits of the Spirit. Help us lead others in that way too, God. Help us surround ourselves with people that way. And God, for the people that maybe are hiding. They're not hiding under a table, but they're hiding behind a mask. That they would know your heart is just filled with compassion. And they're running, that you're running after them to call you their own, to call you a son, to call you a daughter, to say that you are worthy, you are clean, and you're the one I've been looking for.